All right, hey guys, uh, welcome to the Mr. Agreeable podcast. Uh, this is episode 15. Uh, today I have on with me uh, Jonathan Roberts. Uh, Jonathan and I met at Spartan Fitness, uh, where I got my ass kicked in a pretty smooth fashion. Um, I don't know a whole ton more about Jonathan other than I just followed uh, him, pl- uh, I say playing, but fighting to the death in the old uh, professional grappler federation, which was a new jujitsu league this year. Um, so yeah, uh, Jonathan, uh, I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do, uh, what, what you got as far as, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, man. First off, just appreciate having you on. Looking forward to talking to you. Um, but I'm Jonathan Roberts, you know, I'm, uh, from Trustville, Alabama, I know Matt Elkins was on here earlier, and I graduated high school with him, actually. We were in the same gra- same graduating class and everything um, all through grade school, but uh, 28 years old, you know, grew up in Trustville, went there, high school, elementary school, middle school, and uh, after that went to University of Alabama and got my criminal justice degree. I do not use that as of now. I, fan- I finance heavy equipment. I finance Kamatsu tractors now for a living. Okay. Damn. Yeah. Nice. So I'm a uh, after work warrior, you know, with jujitsu. So I do do a ton of jujitsu. So outside of work and, you know, a few hours of jujitsu a night, uh, there's not a lot of free time there, especially doing that PGF that you just mentioned. You know, that was very time consuming, staying ready for that and training every day. So it's pretty much just working eight to five and then training six to ten and then eating and uh, going to sleep. Yeah, would you? Uh, was that the most you'd ever trained in your life, or have you? I, I don't know how how long have you been training? Is yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have actually trained more in the past, but um, that's probably the most I've trained since uh, being a working adult. You know, I started jujitsu when I was 15 years old. Uh, maybe I was 16, late 15. A couple buddies invited me uh, into the gym, but. You know, those early days with less time constraints and, you know, just school and you had summers, um, I was able to train a lot, you know, especially in college. You had the ability to schedule your classes around jujitsu. Um, lucky enough that I found jujitsu at an early age, um, immediately fell in love with it. But, uh, yeah, my college career was just training like twice a day for real. Yeah. Uh, Probably a little bit too much. I'm sure that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get into that at some point because I have suffered a lot of injuries. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I, I was wondering that earlier. I was thinking uh, you, I, I was thinking I have a problem with structure in these podcasts sometimes uh, or or not really a problem. But sometimes I overthink it and I'm like, I should have had all these questions. And one of them was that just about how much training you put into the PGF stuff because all I saw was you guys training. Um, but I, I was also wondering, like with Spartan, you know, having moved and stuff, I see I saw you bouncing around to different places. Like how many different places were you at training? Yes, yeah, yeah. So for the PGF, you know, uh, like I said, as a working adult, and you know, me being a little bit older, you know, I'm not too old. I'm 28, but I have suffered, um, a, a, you know, a few surgery injuries and everything, and this was my second event back from a long injury stint. I had surgery on both my knees and my and my left shoulder. So I did the Atlanta Open once and then the PGF, which is a lot more grueling than, you know, your traditional tournament. 
uh, you're, you're competing every Friday, which I wasn't used to, you know, I don't think any, uh, normal jujitsu athlete is used to competing every Friday afternoon, which ended right. up being awesome for my jujitsu in the long run. But I was bouncing around, you know, I was training with Matt Elkins and Jake Elkins over there at, um, at ironclad a, a bit. And both of them are, are animals. If you've ever yeah. trained with either one of them, of course, I know you've trained with Matt a ton. Uh, I was going up to one of my old gyms, um, uh, Cobra Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Tuscaloosa, and then I was training with Mo- Moises, which is you know one of the guys I competed against in the league, who um, was invited mid-season to um, replace one of the guys who got injured in the season. And I also trained a few times with my first coach ever, Todd Chapel. He he's out of Trustful now, and then of course a ton a ton at Spartan. Um, yeah, I just like to get different bodies and different looks, you know, preparing for things sometimes, and just because I have grown up around this area i grew up in trustful and i went to school at the university of alabama you know that's not a very wide range of miles in between and since i've been doing jiu-jitsu for 12 and a half years i have um you know made a lot of friends in the game and i feel like uh you know i enjoy just going to roll with my old buddies i don't have any bad blood with anybody i've never burned any bridges so you know it's really not just about the competition i just enjoy seeing my old buddies i trained at cobra for uh, I don't even know, six years, you know, I trained with Todd for multiple years and he, you know, I started out with him. He's kind of like a, you know, second father figure to me. So I feel like obligated to go and, uh, you know, go train with some of my old buddies. But when yeah. it comes down to competition time, you know, I need some guys that are really good that are going to beat me up and really, and really push me. So I just was traveling around to get those looks. Where's the, where's the toughest place you're, you're, you get the, like, I, I'm sure at each place there's probably a high level a guy or two, but where where which place can you go and know that the most roles are going to be the most high level? Oh man, that's a that's a tough question and a loaded question. Just like you said, there's some there's some tough guys at every gym you go to. I mean, you go to SVG, uh, you know, Hodger, uh, especially in the gi, it feels like you've been sewn to the ground. Uh, it's like, I can't even move against him. He's an, he's an OG. He's a, he just got his fifth degree on his black belt. And, you know, it, uh, something, uh, that's really cool about him that, that I like is, you know, he's in his, in his forties now. And he, he just won the, the Pan Am golds. It is in his division, uh, this past weekend. And, you know, it gives me hope, um, for somebody, he was doing it when he was my age as well. Uh, like early, early on and his body's still holding up and he's able to compete, you know, that's awesome. Uh, And still getting gold. I mean, I want to keep doing it, you know, whether I own a school or don't own a school or just train, like I just love jujitsu and I hope that I could continue competing if my body holds up and he's been through some injuries like I have. So it's just, um, it's good to see that. But yeah, Hodger over there, Kenny's really good. I mean, they got all the, the, the whole fighter crew up there. Eric Anders, man, I'm not sure. Did you ever get to roll with him when you were over there? (laughs) I mean, for me, when I was there, I was a, at best an early, early blue belt. It wasn't – I wouldn't even call it rolling what we were doing. It was me trying to just, you know, breathe for a few seconds. So it was not not fair at all. He's a beast. No, man, he is a beast. And, He's uh, technically super good, too, like, which is the fun part about rolling with him for somebody my size. Like, he's not – you know, he can use his – you know, division one football athleticism if he wants, but he, he doesn't have to, cause he's also super good. 
Oh, for sure. What is your what is your weight, by the way? I never probably what do you like to say 170 something? What what do you weigh? Yeah, about 165, 160. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Eric is a beast. I mean, sometimes I feel like the same way when he's rolling with me. I met him in T- Tuscaloosa around 2010. When uh and uh when he finished football he kind of stopped at a, a gym called Headhunters Combatives, um back then that I was at and that's where I ran into B J Webb for the first time and I mean a lot of names that you know now because yeah, yeah. a lot of people went to college over there and came back but and Headhunters later split but yeah he came in there and I think uh, I forget he bring he brought in two football players with him who, who I believe now play for play in the NFL but. Man, he came in there, and let me tell you, before he even was training for a while, he I remember he grabbed my pants leg and spun me around like a top. He, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, man, this dude, this dude's going to be really good. And obviously, he's fighting in the UFC now, and he's a crazy brown belt. I get got hey, him in a – leap as his partner, though. Like, it's like a private lesson every day for freaking years. That's just – that's pretty valuable. Oh, yeah, and Leaf's a hidden gem that a lot of people hadn't uh, – might have heard about, you know, if he competed more, I, I really think that Leaf is in the in in the elite level black belts in the gi for sure. Uh, yeah, I always I, use my last breath when rolling with Leaf to make fun of him for not competing. So <laughs> that's that's usually how it goes. He's he's phenomenal to me. I mean, I don't know. I I'm sure honestly, you're you're pretty phenomenal too. Which is, I I was thinking about that earlier too, just about how. At Spartan, like usually you'd have new guys that came in, and they they didn't fit in that like top tier of guys. Like they they just you know there there was that top tier of dudes. They were always there, and whoever came in just was always chasing them. But you came in, and it was like this new way of rolling that I could I just can't figure out. I'm not there enough, but it's so smooth. And uh, I I was wondering like where. Like, where did you get that sort of style that you have? Like, how would you describe it? And, like, I guess, like, what what gym have you been at that has been the most impactful in that style? Yeah. So, you know, I really like that question. So, um, you know, me starting at such a young age in Alabama. So um, for anybody who possibly is listening that's not from Alabama, you know, the, the jiu-jitsu scene around here has grown a lot, you know, since I've started a ton. You know, there's black belts that lead every class. There's multiple black belts at some gyms, you know, and a, like a tons of color belts that the, the new guys are getting to roll with every day. So people are getting better way quicker than when I was when I was young. And there's kids classes and there's teenagers and all of all of that. When I started, you know, the first gym I went to, you know, I was uh, late 15, early 16, and it was just a bunch of full grown men. There wasn't, you know teenagers doing it besides the two guys that I went with that were you know in high school with me so when I went um the first guy I actually went against was a purple belt and I didn't you know know anything about jiu-jitsu at the time really um and I didn't know how high a purple belt was especially you know back then and it was a guy a little bit smaller than me Russell Day still still to uh, all the way to today one of the most impactful guys on my in my jiu-jitsu career we still stay in touch um but Man, he just worked me up and down the mat, and I had nothing for him. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, this is something that I gotta learn how to do." It obviously works. I mean, I, I had literally felt like he was a cat playing with a yarn ball, yeah. um, and I was, and I, <laughs> and I was helpless. And he was a smaller guy, you know. I don't know his height, but you know, definitely under 
you know, five, eight, you know, 130 something pounds. He's very, uh, cut up guy, very muscular, but smaller guy. And, uh, immediately I fell in love with it, but all of my training partners were in their, you know, mid to late twenties, early thirties and me being a kid. And, you know, as you've met me, I'm not a large guy, you know, I'm six one, you know, 171 pounds. But back then, you know, still six foot one, but I was like 148 pounds or something when I started. I was a kid, you know, I was just hadn't felt. So I was just getting smashed and smashed and smashed. I was a white belt for almost three years. And uh, I think that me not being stronger than any of my teammates and just losing over and over again, you know, made me um, what you called smooth just because things had to be correct and perfect almost before they even halfway worked against yeah. Because I was a kid. I mean, even if you're the same size, you know, there's a difference. Because now that I'm 28, um, you know, you I could just tell that I'm fine, like finally entering my 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 peak a little bit. You know, I feel naturally stronger, and I was just getting just getting smashed. So I think the starting at that age and just being naturally smaller and not being an athletic guy when I started and being on bottom. Um, made me get creative in my mind and, and really adapt to the, to the technical side of jujitsu. But there is a pinnacle point that I've, you know, I tell a lot of people and, uh, you know, hopefully somebody could benefit from hearing this as well, as much as I did. Uh, my first coach at the time, you know, Todd Chapel, there was a, you know, I've been training for about, uh, over two years and I'm still a white belt. You know, a lot of people started after me and gotten their blue belts, but I was very bad, very, very bad when I started and I was young and, uh, and this football player came in that played at college, never trained before me and him had a long role at the end of class. And he ended up beating me after I, I forget how many minutes, but he ended up beating me. And then I kind of stayed after class being a young dude. And, you know, Todd was kind of like a father figure to me. And, you know, I was kind of upset. Maybe, you know, some tears were happening because I was very passionate about jujitsu and I still am. I, lo- I mean, I love it. And I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm in here more than any of these guys. You know, I'm training harder. I'm putting in more hours. Like, why am I not succeeding? This dude's never trained. Why is he beating me? He's, you know, and he gave me a speech and he's basically like, you know, life's not fair. You're not as strong as these guys. You're going to just have to be better. And that's okay. I think you could do it, but life's not fair. You know, not everybody's comes from a privileged family. And with money to get in a good college, not everybody has connections to get a good job. The same thing I think happens with jujitsu. It's like you're not everybody's path is paved equally. But once I got around my, like came to terms with that and be like, okay, well, I could definitely still do it. I just mentally have to be past these guys in the game because physically I've never been gifted at, you know, being the strongest guy, you know, the fastest guy. So, um, you know, he really took me under my wing and, you know, uh, we, I was training in the mornings with him, training some afternoons. He actually loves like letting me teach classes back then, you know, as a blue belt, but that, um, uh, that doesn't happen too much anymore. Like I said, the sports changed a ton, but blue belts used to lead classes back in, uh, 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. believe it or not, sometimes, uh, let's see that, uh, when I started just five years ago, it was. Lots of purples and brown belts too, still. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, we're not the ma- really. Yeah. At Spartan, it was tons, tons of blue belts. So. 
Oh, for sure. And I, I remember in early MMA, if you were a blue belt in amateur MMA in the state of Alabama, like you were a jiu-jitsu whiz yeah. back, <laughs> back in 2008. But nowadays, you know, like everybody's doing jiu-jitsu. So it's kind of it's kind of wild how, how how much the sports changed. But yeah. yeah, yeah, then going to T-Town and, you know, I was training with uh, Curtis Taylor over there and uh, uh, actually backtrack a little bit. Headhunters Combatives before that, I knew – of John Salter and I knew of Chris Davis from the trustful gym because they came and trained with Todd sometimes. So I went up there and trained and, uh, and it was a really no gi heavy school. So I would still travel back and twice a week to Todd all the time. And then Curtis Taylor came in and was the jujitsu coach there, which later broke off into Cobra Brazilian Jiu Jitsu from headhunters. And then, um, you know, from there, I went after college. I went to um, Spartan Fitness with all those guys because I obviously knew uh, Eric Anders and me and Matt go way back since we were like seven years old. So uh, yeah. I knew a home. So I just kind of have a little bit of a, a mutt game. And uh, I think that me just being not the most athletic guy, I think the I really believe in the in the technique of jujitsu and I really enjoy the 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 chess match of it. So yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that you think my think my style smooth. Uh, I work it, really it, it is. Uh, I guess. I mean, dude. I mean, may, I'm not a brilliant jujitsu mind by any means, but and so maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe your jujitsu is just not smooth and it's rough, and I was just <laughs> something else. But it just seems that like uh, it, it just seems like you're getting swallowed up, like move by move, and that's what jujitsu is supposed to be like all the guys that I know that are the best like, like you know it's just I, it's hard to describe like you know I could get we could get into all the like small technical details but you know for the four of the five people who listen that don't do jujitsu that would be boring for them but it's just like super smooth uh in a way that it, it doesn't like I don't ever think I'm gonna get hurt going against you and that that's a disturbing to me in a weird way like it's uh it's that sneakiness about it you know like no disrespect to like matt elkins but like if i'm going against matt he's super wicked smooth too but like there will be a moment where i will fear for you know something bad happening he'll he'll take care of me no doubt but like he just he has an element of roughness and with you i just it's I, it's a kind of hopelessness. It's, it, it's similar to Leaf, although I don't talk crap to you like I talk to Leaf. <laughs> Leaf tries to hurt me, so it's just different. But it's just I don't know. It's I I don't have the uh, I don't have the proper language to describe it. Um, it's just it's it's cool though. It's it's fun. It's fun to. It, I, I wish I spent more time, you know, in Alabama. Uh, with, well, with that whole crew, but since you got there, it just it's exploded as far as the the level of jujitsu is nuts that around that area now. It it is so nuts, and and yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of stuff you're saying. Matt is very, he's a lot more positionally strong. You know, he's very like that wrestling background and the and that MMA background. He's so good at taking you down and passing your guard and. And then he likes to call it like cooking the beans. You know, yeah. he's very good, very good at cooking you and imposing his will and then grinding out the submission. Um, you know, where I, I like I'm more of a jester. I'm more of a sneaky, you know, like a, 
And the thing is, I'm trying to work on that aspect of my game. So I love training with people, um, hoping their their style rubs off. Because you you train with somebody long enough, you know, you know, I'm hoping to get that impose my will positional jujitsu yeah. added to my style. And you know, maybe I could give him some of my sneakiness as well. Um, that's the thing I love about jujitsu is like you know everybody is naturally better at some stuff and their upbringing brings them into different games and then you train with them long enough and your games kind of start meshing together a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's, so it's then really how cool. would you – I was struggling to do it. Uh, how would you describe your game, your jujitsu game? You said you said like a jester. You, you, you know, you said sneaky, but like – in, in better jujitsu terms than I did, how how would you describe what it is you do, or you know maybe con, you know compare that to someone else? Yeah, I'm my biggest critic, so I don't think I'm all that good, and I think that I have a long way to go, and it's a never-ending struggle um, to get better. It's just something you can't be perfect at, you yeah. know. It's just like music. I mean, there's always you know practice, and nobody could be perfect at it, but it's a lifelong pursuit that I love. But I would say my uh, my, my jiu-jitsu style, um, you know, I've, I'm very attack heavy. You know, I love chaining submissions together. I love going for submissions and, and being on the attack and using the threat of submissions to make people move their arms and legs for me because I'm physically not the strongest guy. I'm getting stronger as I'm getting older and everything. But in my mind, I still see myself as the guy who started, you know, there. So, like – um you know, using those submissions back to back to back like a machine gun to um, to get people to move the way I want to to open up opportunities to attack. And um, kind of like a gesture in a lot of ways, like I mentioned earlier, I like um, luring people into traps and I like. Um, you know, I, I do love guard. Uh, you know, I really, really like guard. You saw a lot of my guard play in uh, the PGF, my no-gi guard play. I do play a lot more on top, too. I promise, guys, I do. I do, pl- I do play on top as well, but in the confines of that tournament, it was a, there was a no points involved. So, right. you know, guard's just fun. I mean, there's a million sweeps. There's a million submissions. I mean, you could play there all day. There's unlimited potential there. So, but, yeah, I would just say that my game is, you know, um, offense heavy and uh, string submissions together to open up opportunities. And so then, then when did you the funnel it into a submission? When did you develop that attack heavy mentality? If you spent all those years being ground down as a white belt and being beaten, like how how did you do that? Like, do you have to develop your knowledge of what all these submissions are? You know, like how did you get the dominance and roles to do such a thing i guess interesting man i've never actually been asked that question so that's cool for me to for me to think about so yeah i spent a long time getting my butt whooped so my my game (laughs) pre-purple belt was not offensive heavy it was getting choked heavy and tapping out a lot heavy (laughs) and getting smashed and then uh possibly crying in the shower afterwards i'm not (laughs) I'm not sure. It, it's a long time. And, uh, you know, I still get beat all the time. It's part of the game. But uh, I would say, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a turning point in my game. I really kind of started to hit a little bit of a stride at purple. Um, and I realized that, um, you know, when I was finally after getting out from underneath people and, you know, doing some guards and always rolling with these big guys, like if I were to attack one thing, 
a lot of times they even if you can't get it, they have to respect it and defend it. But once you go to that submission a hundred times and fail, you know they're either going to do A, B, C, or D, and then you know where their weight's going to be during that. So you just get aware of where they're moving their weight and then beat them to it. So if you chain a bunch of things together and use your brain more and, um, you know, are aware of all of the possibilities from each position, I've realized that those submissions attempts keep them from being on top of you because they're always defending. And it opens up opportunities to sweep them more because they're not so focused on, uh, you know, passing your guard. They're not so focused on just adjusting their weight on top of you because they have to respect the submission. So I think that around, uh, you know, early purple belt is when I started to, you know, really, really like that style of just, you know, if I stay on the offensive, I'm not getting smushed the whole time. There wasn't like a seminar or some sort of video or somebody put this on your, your head. It seems like a, a, a large transition. Like for, I guess for me, not that I'm great, but like my style I feel like because early in my white belt time, we there was a big group of guys similar size to me who joined at a similar time. Like it was a really competitive, and for me, I just didn't like being on the bottom at all. So I never got, I never got comfortable just practicing being there, being smushed all the time. So like I didn't have that experience, and through so growing up through the the ranks even though I'm still just a blue belt like I've been a blue belt for a few years now and like I just want to be on top so you know to I I can't imagine all of a sudden you know by the time I'm a brown belt or whatever maybe it will happen but like just completely transitioning to where you know I'm I'm comfortable kind of being down there laying on my back and I guess that's the the evolution of jujitsu but it seems like to me they'll have to be like somebody that some some sort of message or some sort of role or experience that will transition that for me. I was just sort of wondering if 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 there was like it was it just a natural evolution of knowledge. You you just knew more, so you knew how to attack more. Or, I don't know. It just it, it it seems far away for me to to be so smooth like that with my attacks from the bottom from guard position. Yeah. So. I'm just while you were talking, I was trying to think of a of a one particular moment, and uh, you know, I, I've never really thought about what made the transition in my head because it's because it, I'm uh, you know never thought of it being a crazy transition. I just thought of it me being smashed and me finally figuring some stuff out. Yeah. But but now that I think about it, you know, um, getting smashed all that time and you know driving in and you know and doing all that work new people would filter in, you know, and then I would finally start to get to work some offense. As I got older, I'm not 16, 17, 18 anymore. You know, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little bit bigger. I'm getting a little bit stronger. You know, I've been in the game more years. So when they came in, I'm able to actually like beat some of these guys all the time that are coming in eventually after, you know, you know, three and a half years in when somebody's coming in, that's not, you know, a crazy football player, you know, like I was like, okay, well, I'm, you know, kind of working some offense and, the second gym I was at, Headhunters Cabadas, was a very MMA-heavy school. So um, I would do jiu-jitsu there, but I would also – there was like a wrestling class, and then there was also, you know, MMA. So and back in the early days, you kind of helped your teammates prepare for their MMA fights, whether you were a fighter or not, if you, you know, were – 
were, uh, you know, going to be a good teammate and help him out. So I'd get in there and spar with the guys, you know, even though I'm not, you know, claiming to be anything on the in the feet. And it was it was a primitive MMA compared to what you're looking at now. But I think that the attack heaviness could have came from there too, just from the just from the fear of you know being in the defensive while you're getting punches thrown at you. But I think it mainly came from like just getting a little better. And then the new guys came in. I'm working submissions, you know, finally on these new guys. And I'm so ADD, you know, and this, you know, jujitsu is something the only time of day for me that I could can be something could hold my complete focus when I'm rolling and everything else kind of melts away for a minute, you know, for the time. So it's almost meditative. So it's the because somebody's trying to choke you, you know, you got it's got my complete focus. Nothing else holds my complete focus. So I think that me being so ADD, like I'm not gonna sit around and like do this and that. Like I'm just gonna go from attack to attack to attack because I'll get bored in one spot. And I think that just kind of developed the style just because of uh, you know just eagerness to, to to keep keep moving in the role. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah sure. It's it's just it's just interesting how just just thinking how people develop their games like you were you were talking about just I mean even a person's life experience will determine how they approach jujitsu. Oh, for hundred percent. Yeah, I mean maybe well that's a good that's a good little transition I could pretend if I was some sort of professional that I meant to do that but but uh, who who is the human Jonathan Roberts and like what. Also, I guess, you know, the, the reason I was thinking about that is for me, jujitsu has been like transformational for me as a human. And you've been doing this for like a massive portion of your life now. Like, you know, who, who are you as a person? Uh, and, you know, I guess more interestingly or maybe not. Uh, but, you know, what has jujitsu done as far as that development is it, it concerned as a person? Oh, I mean, that's a great question. Jiu-Jitsu's done everything for me. So prior to Jiu-Jitsu, you know, I was always a smaller guy. And, you know, in a lot of other sports, you know, I, I grew up playing basketball. I was never very good. Um, you know, wasn't the best student because, like I mentioned earlier, I was, um, you know, I've been ADD my entire life. And that doesn't – so very few things, like, hold my focus intensely. So, you know, I was finally in, uh, introduced to Jiu-Jitsu – not only did I, you know, obviously, like everybody else goes through, realize that how fragile you are and how much, how little you could actually defend yourself in a situation against somebody like that. It just made me, you know, a, a better person all around. It made me, you know, the, you know, where do I even start? But like uh, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, it, it gives you confidence that if you put your time to something completely and you dedicate yourself and this is coming from somebody who was probably the most horrible jujitsu guy who ever started you know <laughs> me if you <laughs> really so just hard to imagine it's so hard to imagine i promise you man i could probably i could send you some pictures if you want to <laughs> see see what i'd like some old school pictures of me with i had the long hair like uh i'm all, i'm still skinny now but 30 pounds skinnier man i was so bad but <laughs> It teaches you a way of learning and dedication. So if you want to be good at something, you know, whether that's the guitar or jujitsu, it's like you put in the time, you work, you do the reps. It teaches you, you know, you show up, you, you, you drill these things, you apply it to live, live practice, you know, just like anything else. And then put that over enough time. 
you get real life results in jujitsu every day. So like, say you come in and you lose this guy, lose this guy, lose this guy. And then fast forward a year and say, Oh, I swept him once. What? You know, it, it shows you eventually over time that you can accomplish those things. And it's just a great way of like, just, just knowing that if you put your mind towards something and it will, you know, start to pay off. Things come easier to different people for sure, but you can be good at this just like you can be a good student. Like, I don't know if I would have graduated college if it wasn't for, you know, for jujitsu, you know, it kept me grounded. It taught me like, Hey, you know, like I could do this. Why can't I, you know, just apply those same learning methods to jujitsu or, or this, that, and another. And, you know, it really just gave me, you know, a good structure to my life. Also, yeah. you're involved, you know, with guys who are decently keeping a healthy lifestyle most of the time. And, you know, we all like to, uh, you know, roll and, you know, go to these tournaments and stuff. So you're, you're hanging around these guys that have a positive, uh, goal in mind and, um, and you're all working towards something. And, most of the guys that you come in contact with in the sport are there to help. So you're growing and you're helping the people underneath you grow. I think, I don't know, man, I mean, you could go on forever about the benefits of jujitsu, but I, I don't even know where I'd be today without yeah. jujitsu. Would I even have graduated college? Like it, it well, just, like gave- you, you were getting killed in the beginning. And, uh, you know, like when I started, I started because, uh, somebody pointed out to me that I had a daughter and the right thing to do was to teach her, you know, to defend herself. And then I realized I couldn't defend myself. So I started because of that. Like you didn't have a reason for that to keep going back, you know, when you're getting your ass kicked. Like, do you have, I mean, do you have like really good influences in life? You know, like you got, you got great parents, great family that, that make you like a grinder like that. Like somebody that just, sort of naturally knows that time and effort equals results or like how, how do you come to be that way you know like if I didn't have my reason if I was like if I was your age when you're what you're talking about being so young when I started like I would have quit that would have been too hard for me like uh, maybe I was just a little pussy but not maybe I was but you know like what it what was it about you that made you you know you what kind of support system you know, what kind of human does, does that goes, goes back to that, to that ass whooping. Like, yeah, for sure. But no, I, I was a pussy and I'm still a pussy, but, uh, <laughs> so I'll get you there, but no, I had, I had great parents, but that grind and keep grinding mentality, you know, I did have great parents and, and they did push me really hard, but you know, I never found success. Like I played basketball for a long time and I was awful. You know, I was never, Never found something that like I was like really great at before, and jujitsu did not come easy at all either. Um, the reason I wanted to keep coming back it was just honestly like when those two guys introduced me to it, I was invited. You know, it wasn't even my idea to go in there, but the and the two guys who invited me, they don't they don't even uh, do it anymore. But um, the first day I did it, I was just like, whoa! Like I didn't even think that it was you know it was like that. Like you could just play, like he was just playing with me. Like it was like not even a thing. I was like trying my hardest. (laughs) And the motivation for me was just like to prove to myself that this is something that I could do. And, um, just that, that's honestly it, you know, it's not for, not to prove to anybody that I could, um, that I could do it, not for anything else. It's just like, it's something I wanted to do for myself. 
just to prove to myself that like, Hey, this is a really hard challenge. Like, and I just liked the challenge and I just wanted to keep trying. And, and let me tell you, it was tough and it still is very, very tough, but the, the keep grinding attitude and the, the benefits of it came along the way. You know, I didn't realize that right away. You know, that took a few years to be like, Oh man, this is really like, you know, really starting to pay off. And I could, and I could see the, you know, put the time in, you get the results. And then I started to apply that to everything else in my life, which really started to help me as a person all around for sure. But, uh, it was just to prove to myself that, that I could do it. There was nothing, nothing else beyond that. And thankfully, you know, I did stick with it through all those, uh, hard times. And, you know, there's still hard times now because, you know, as soon as I did get good, I got ripped apart with injuries and had to yeah. and, I, and I had to build back from the from the ground. So, well, what like do you have a certain thought? You know, I I tore my ligaments in college, and like I look back at some of my uh, habits, some of my training methods, some of my nutrition stuff like that that you know may have led to. You know, for me, I don't, well, here I'm, I'm just assuming that maybe you're as a wear and tear eventually kind of situation like mine, you know, but like I, I look back and I, I wish I'd done some things differently. Do you, are you, are your injuries at all like that? Do you do anything differently now to stay healthy or, you know, yeah. I guess explaining what your injuries would be, would be, you know, useful. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. And I would, I would love to hear about yours too, but um, yeah, I would do things completely different. <laughs> I was 15, 16 years old when I started, like there, it would not be uncommon if I would like on a Saturday, you know, eat McDonald's breakfast before going, I would throw up now. Uh, you know, like there's, there's no way I could stomach that now, even before, uh, uh, you know, going to jujitsu, I would hundred percent throw up. There's no way I don't have the stomach of, uh, the kid I once was, but you know, the warming up I do now, the, the type of lifting I do now, the mobility work I do now, the nutrition I keep the, you know, the, the sleep I try to get, the life I try to live. I mean, everything, the training methods, the overtraining. So as it went on and I fell more and more in love with jujitsu and I almost developed an unhealthy relationship with jujitsu, especially in college. Cause there was times where I would schedule my classes around it and I was training, you know, at some points, you know, 10 to, you know, 14 times a week. And not every one of those sessions during the day had rolling, but way over training and I was trying to lift four times. I was way overdoing it, but I just always felt like I wasn't doing enough. Jonathan, you, you didn't roll with all the toughest guys. You didn't do enough. Go get on the treadmill. Oh, you didn't do enough. You're losing cause you're not doing enough, which hundred percent was not the case, but I was just like so consumed by it. And yeah. at, that, at that point in time, I was overtraining. I wasn't, I wasn't lifting the way I lift now, you know, just more correctly with your, the, the body structure in the correct position you know, um, all of that. And I think a lot of that led to my knee injuries, which was a medial meniscus tear in both of my knees. My right, my right one was a, a large bucket handle tear in my medial meniscus. And I kind of have this, uh, accessory tendon, uh, injury on the right side as well, which makes my, one of my, my bone kind of wiggle a little bit if, if you've ever seen that, but it's, it's fine. Uh, but, that one uh, finally finished off in like a butterfly sweep, but it was a for sure wear and tear injury along with my left and my shoulder, which could have started in a car accident. I'm not certain, but uh, I was we were doing these rounds in uh, at Cobra Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and 
we were doing like the to, first to take down winner stays in it's supposed to wear you out so you eventually get taken down yeah. kind of leading up to a tournament and one of my teammates picked me up you know i was 100 percent getting taken down so i kind of relaxed a little bit and then i realized that he was going to actually take me down to the ground but since both my feet were off the ground i just thought you know in my own head i'm like okay you, you got me but he started like turning me to put me down i'm like oh and then i immediately reach out and then my forearm and elbow base on the ground and my shoulder pops out and in, which didn't feel great, but it really wasn't as bad as you think. The putting it back together (laughs) was the horrible part uh, for sure. Man, how how long were you out from that shoulder injury? The knees weren't crazy. You know, the knees, like if you've ever had a a meniscus surgery, I'm not sure, but like you could train pretty hard after about, you know, 10-ish weeks. You know, it just doesn't feel good for your knee to be on the ground, but since they don't fix anything with those injuries most of the time like they're out of the circulated region for mine at least they just cut it out so as soon as the swelling goes down and you're you know rehab to the point you know you could since they didn't repair anything like your ligaments are still good in your knees so you could get back to training pretty hard the shoulder was the most painful and the most horrible thing that i've ever gone through injury wise it was just so horrible like eight months of uh before I could roll and I could I wouldn't even consider going super hard after that. I felt like if I darsed somebody and I really gave them like a hundred percent squeeze that like my shoulder was gonna like come out. Man. It was so horrible. And it's it's is it a hundred percent now? I kinda tweaked it in the PGF a little bit, but it like I think that, that I somebody's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually this the second time I tweaked it in the season was in that match uh, uh, honestly it was at the beginning of that match you'll if you go back and watch it it's me and caleb McAllister, awesome guy you know yeah. me and him had he got me once i got him once in the tournament good guy great black belt i, th- uh, he, I think he owns a virginia gym over in virginia yeah. uh, great black belt i think he just won the sapiera pro i believe and he's going to the big show but good guy but yeah i kind of tweaked my shoulder in that match and uh you see if you go back and watch the video i grabbed my shoulder i'm like ah but I think I probably just pulled my delt muscle or slightly tore it because I had some bruising the next few days after that on my shoulder. But it's good. It feels back to its normal amount of shitty now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's good. It's, it's good. You know, it, nothing's ever perfectly the same on my body after the surgeries, but nothing is prohibiting me from, you know, giving it my all. I just have to warm up and I do my uh, mobility exercises and the way I lift in the gym, like I kind of go through like a prehab routine multiple times a week that makes my joints just feel good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so where do you, where do you see yourself taking this jujitsu stuff? I mean, you, you uh, developed yourself a little cult following there with the elbow genie stuff and, <laughs> and it, it, there's there's got to be more Jonathan Roberts in the in the uh, at least in the PGF as well. But I'm assuming you're going to be trying to compete as much as possible, right? Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, it felt really good, you know, after going through all those injuries, um, you know, it was just such a blessing to get back in the, you know, in the competition game. Like I was a brown belt. You know, I've been a brown belt for over six and a half years. Um <laughs> a long time. Uh, I saw people that were blue belts 
get their black but like when I was a brown belt they're blue belts they got their black belts and I'm still the same belt so <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's kind of nuts but those you know I tore my first knee I'm like you know you know I've been doing this for a while you know you play a fire you get burned you get the second one I'm like damn it you know come on what's going on then I got the third injury like every time I was about to compete after one injury I would like the, the next one would arise probably something to do with compensation and uh you know not taking care of their body as much as I am now with the way I'm training and all of that. But, you know, after the shoulder, with it being such a long recovery time after the other two, you know, I kind of was like mentally in a, in a pretty, pretty dark place for a while. But coming out the other end, you know, seeing like there was that, there's no expectation of like, you know, there's no race to get to black belt. You know, you try to tell yourself that there's no ego involved, but like the people, passing me like that were blue belts when I was a brown belt and they're like for some reason like dealing with all of that and then coming back after all those injuries and um, you know getting beat by people as I got healthy again and I moved to another city as I was recovering so I show up at a new gym like just as I'm like getting back in shape you know not rolling my prettiest for sure yeah uh just getting beat up and like all of that made me deal with a lot of stuff that I was probably, you know, using jujitsu as, as a bandaid in my personal life. So kind of coming back to the competition scene after like, not, it's not a race, you know, you, you know, like it is what it is. Everybody's got their own path on their own speed. It's like, I don't really care anymore. I'm just, you know, just happy to be out there again. I'm just happy to, you know, be training again. So like that being taken away from me, I was like, man, I was like, I've been doing jiu-jitsu since I was 15, and when I couldn't train, do like roll no more and train for a bit, I was like, "Who am I?" Yeah, it, it was like it was weird, like an identity crisis. I'm like, I, I go to work, you know, or go to school, and I, I go to jiu-jitsu, and that was kind of like gone. I would like, you know, if the first two injuries, I would show up at the gym a ton, you know, and just at least watch or coach or, you know, do what I can. And after the shoulder, like it kind of started making me sad to show up because I knew yeah. I had such a long road and. uh in a weird way, like I, I was just happy when all that was done, like to, to just be back in there. And I just had to deal with some demons that maybe I wouldn't have dealt with without all those injuries. And it was in a weird way, the worst, best thing that ever happened to me mentally because yeah. comp- competing, uh, in the Atlanta open prior to the PGF, like I was, is you know, it was the first time I was competing in probably like three or more years because of the injuries back to back to back. I would like, I'd, I was training in between, of course, but like I, every time I'd get re- like healthy enough to compete again and get back in shape, I got injured again. So I didn't win that when I had some tough matches. Um, and then I went to the PGF and like my mindset, I'm not getting as nervous as I used to, you know, it's just like, I'm just so happy to be out there that I'm not worried about all the other bullshit and I just performed way better than I than I than I did. So it was so cool to finally have a platform to show people the jujitsu that I've worked so hard on for such yeah. a long time. And uh, you know, the uh, the elbow genie thing and all that that you said, you know, it was it's really cool. And I really appreciate everybody that's you know reached out and all the people that liked my style of jujitsu. I'm I'm on the grind, man. That the I am more passionate about jujitsu now than I've ever been in my entire life. And I'm having so much fun training and competing right now. I got the Foley open next weekend. And then I got, 
The Nogi Pan Ams in November. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, do you, like, I, I feel like you should be having some uh, more opportunities with uh, jujitsu now that, like, I guess it's, you're, you're more public. Is that, like, has the PGF opened up, like, grappling opportunities that you, uh, you know, maybe didn't see coming maybe six months ago or whatever? Oh, for sure. And I'm hoping that, you know, things keep opening up. Um, I would love, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you got a grappling tournament around, you want me to compete against some of the guys around the 170-pound range at the brown or black belt level, I'm your man. Please give me an opportunity. But, um, yeah, like, it, like people are reaching out. And, you know, uh, you know, Brandon's vision, Brandon McGaffrey's vision with that PGF was, was so cool. And uh, to give everybody a platform to do that, I think it's going to continue blowing up. And I would love to, you know, you know, you know, give one good push, you know, at that fully open and the the nogi pans. I wish that hill of cruel was, you know, this year, not next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll 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 see what happens over there. Then I'm kind of in between weight classes, but because uh, I was cutting down for the brown belt worlds at lightweight. Before the before the Corona hit and and they canceled the world so and the PGF was under 195 and I was like 180 something uh, when I started cutting to the 167 and I'll and then the and then the Corona hit and canceled that and the PGF comes around okay it's like uh the one, under 195 I'm like well shit I wish I didn't lose 11 pounds yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah it's what? it's uh opened up a little bit but I'm hoping. There's this uh thing in December. I was wondering, Brandon is well connected. I figured you would you'd be in the UFC or something. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he is very well connected and one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And you know yeah. he's he's so great. I got to go up there and you know he let me uh, teach a little armbar class at his it is a his gym the other day on Tuesday. Yeah. And there like I went up there. He's like, yeah, you know we're having armbar month. You want to come up here one day? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I hey, show up. So and, wait. Where is your like? Where are you getting your black belt? Like having being bounced around. Like, do you do you have a preference on that? Do you, I mean, how does that work for you? I'm in a I'm in a similar, where not even close as far as years and time put in, but like a similar sort of a bounce around so much that like I don't know what who I should ever expect to promote me. But are you in a situation where you know for sure somebody's you know, I mean, obviously, Brandon McCaffrey's asking you to teach class. You're a black belt, but you know, like. No, I mean, he, I think he just did it. Ju- I think he just did it just out of like, uh, I don't know, like. No, they like I'm my big, I'm my biggest, <laughs> dude. I'm my biggest critic, man. I don't think I'm nothing, so for real, and I got a lot of work to do. But I think he just asked me. He's like, you know. Bro, I'm not saying stop working because you're, <laughs> you know, you're on top of the world. I'm just saying you're obviously a black belt level. I'm well, just, I, I appreciate who, who that. Is, who's putting the strap around you? Do you have, like, who, you know, do you have somebody? I mean, you train it. Is, who, who's your main gym? Or is that? Yeah, like, my is home that, gym is definitely, you know, SBG, Spartan Fitness, yeah. and the Homewood area. And that's who I'm representing in the Foley Open and the and the Nogi Pans. That, it, that is definitely sure. my home, home gym. I just, you know, I go around and visit the other gyms, like I've always done, you know, because, like, you know, I used to go back and visit Trussell. I've always visited my past gyms when I'm at a new gym because they're all within an hour and a half of each other. You know, so like I always 
kind of like at least you know once a week or you know like I'm always kind of bouncing around but at tournament time like I'm bouncing around more and there's uh, but my home gym you know so Chris Conley and Hodger whenever they they see the times right whenever they th- they think that I'm ready would be the people that gave me my black belt and I would be you know honored to receive it from them and that's you know uh, whenever, whenever they're ready. But I would also love, I would also love like all of my past coaches to be in agreement, you know, with that decision whenever they think that time's ready. Um, and, and to be, you know, I'd like them to be there if, if possible, you know, like it's just kind of a, it's kind of a thing I want everybody to agree on. If somebody thinks that I'm not ready, I don't deserve it. I don't want it. Like, I don't want a pity belt because I've been doing it a long time. I want to earn the shit. Yeah. <laughs> Because the first things people do when you get something that you don't yeah. deserve is like, who gave him that? Like, I want to be, you know, like people are like, okay, you know, like he deserves that. Good for him. I'll, I'll you know, I want a welcoming belt because. How long have you been in Spartan now? It's about two years at least, right? Oh, I have been at my new job. I moved back to Birmingham with my new job opportunity a little bit born two and a half years ago. So I've been at Spartan fitness for probably around two and a half years. With the injury involved too. So you, were- uh, the, I was recovered from my shoulder injury when I showed up. So I'd been back on the mats for, uh, like four months prior to coming there. Uh, but I was not in the best shape. Like I was, I was healthy. I was just wondering if I started fishing. <laughs> The petition needs to be started then, because that's a long time for for you to be in Chris Connelly's eyes. Oh, well, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I, yeah, I appreciate it. But uh, whenever they think I'm ready, whenever they think I'm ready. Next week, nah. When I guess they're they're off in Abu Dhabi, huh? Would you say that one more time? You broke up a little bit right there. Uh, oh yeah they're over there in Abu Dhabi Walt Harris check him out guys if y'all are listening to this go check Walt Harris try to bring home some gold this weekend he's ready dude yeah yeah do you uh, get to train much with Walt uh during the during the Rona you know like when everything was shut down like uh Eric and Walt were fighting like on a, the same card I think uh, but yeah, I kind of got to train in that, uh, in that, in that camp, you know, got to do some grappling rounds with him. Thank God I don't have to take any punches from that guy because I think he'd, he would, he would, he would end, end my life with one punch. My skull would be crushed and turned into powder. Yeah. Him, him or Eric. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'm all, all for doing jujitsu with the guys, but those two guys, but I, I don't want to get punched in the face by either, either one of those guys. If y'all don't know Walt Harris, he's, uh, very large man. Yes. Very, very talented. And his hands are faster than mine, and he weighs over 100 pounds more than me. Yeah, he's a nice, nice dude, too. So he will he will uh, sneak up on you as far as being a killer. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And he's been he's, – he's had so many fights, man. He's been in the game for for a while. And he had a close one with Alistar not too long ago. Yeah, that was the um, – my, my wife was in labor that night. Um we were driving to the hospital and Eric's fight came on and she had me pull over on the side of the road so she could watch it. I was like, are you sure you're not going to have the baby? Right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm like, 
Alright, this is Eric's fight. It's not worth this. Like, <laughs> let's watch it. Okay. Alright. It's so nerve-wracking for me to watch. Like, when I compete, of course, you still get nervous. You know, even after, you know, everything, everybody still gets nervous. It's just like, you, for me, like, at least I'm in control of what's going on, and I know I have to deal with the repercussions. When I'm watching somebody I love and yes. that I ho- hope does well in something, and then, like, you have no control over it, it's like, oh, now I'm stressed out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get hooked on the – I get really hooked on the feeling of going to watch my buddies fight. Like it's, it's a rush and you know, that you're not going to have to deal with the consequences of getting punched in the face. So you get to have the rush without the consequence. It's, it's pretty exciting. I was, Oh, for sure, dude. I got a early MMA. When I, when I was there in Birmingham, I was following Eric and Nomar and all those guys around as much as I could just, it's just fun to, to, you know, to train with them and build up to it. It's a good time. Oh, 100%. And that's uh, – I got to corner some guys, like, early MMA. You know, like uh, – like I got – was like uh, – we called it the bucket bitch back in <laughs> back in the day. But, like, amateur MMA, you know, allows the two corners, and you just have yeah. to sign a piece of paper to be a corner. But I got to corner BJ a bunch of times, my buddy Riley and uh, my buddy Tate and a bunch of guys. And – it was super stressful, like you said, but it is it is fun as well. But uh, one of those, I actually got to corner against Matt Elkins. That Matt Elkins beat my teammate at one point in time. But ah. get, yeah, my, he uh, he beat my buddy Riley Matheson in a in a fight, and uh, it was well, a, okay. So I was wondering about that. You went to school with Matt. Yeah. You did you you didn't wrestle like I, I did not. So y'all took completely different paths and kind of came full circle back to being brown belts to get overdue brown belts, overdue black belts, however that's supposed to be phrased, two are badasses, two completely different styles, but you came out of like the same place. It's kind of crazy. It is very crazy because we, me and Matt, like we're always like had mutual friends of one another, but we mean him like in high school weren't the best friends. Just because, like, Hewitt Trustful is a very large school. There was over 300 people in my graduating class. You can't be the best friends with everybody. There's yeah. just too too many people. So he went – he wrestled, and his whole family wrestled. If you don't know the Elkins family, like, they all won state championships. Yeah. You know, you know they're, they're animals. And I just kind of got introduced to jiu-jitsu when I was 15. And I was like, why has nobody ever showed me grappling before? I love this. Like, what? Like, how have I never heard of this before? Like, this yeah. is wild. I was like, I wish I would have wrestled, but and then I'm like, well, you know, I wasn't doing it long enough. I would have never got to start if I like started wrestling then. So I just kind of stuck with jujitsu. And then, you know, I moved to Tuscaloosa. I saw him a couple times in Tuscaloosa. Me and him actually never got to roll together until I went to Spartan for the first time. I don't believe at least. What are you serious? It's it, I don't know how it took that long for us to roll, but like I like you said, we have very different styles, and I love training with him now because like. We're kind of rubbing off on each other, you know, like uh, he's helping me out a ton and I'm helping them out a ton. And like there's not a ton of just regular brown belts who are just like tapping me all the time. And like he's a certain guy who who gets it done. I mean, you go watch his his amount match in the PGF. He choked my ass. So yeah. like like he's not he's not a joke. Yeah, he's he's very good. Yeah. Now, that is just 
I, I would, uh, yeah, I, I really think that's a really neat little scenario there. Just super cool. Me and him are such a good, like better friends now. He's one of my better friends that I have, you know, yeah. being a little older now. And it's kind of weird how life goes full circle like that because me and him both have a passion for grappling. You know, it's my favorite thing to do in the world. Like I love it. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously he's the same way. So it's weird how, all that other uh, shit kind of melts away, and it's kind of like you just end up being friends with people, you know, that are involved in the same stuff. And uh, you know, it's it's been really cool getting to getting to work with them. Yeah, I I, I think that's one of the neatest things uh, about just jujitsu in general is just the the people. I had a, a friend who doesn't do jujitsu said to me the other day that um, my wife and I do a really good job of meeting people that like that we you know really get along with. And I, I didn't say anything at the time. I just kind of kept quiet. But the whole time I was thinking that's just because we do jujitsu. Like it, anywhere you can kind of plug into some jujitsu, you're going to find some really neat people. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing the way that, that goes down. It's, so. It's, it's so weird. Uh, but you're, you're 100% right. Like there's something about jujitsu and the people who do it that just melt the rest of the bullshit in life away. And then you kind of have like anybody who's done it kind of has this like common understanding of uh, what it can do for you. And for some reason, you just even if they quit training later on or still train or not, you just have like this weird common ground and they're lifelong buddies. I got like random friends all over like Facebook friends and stuff of random people I competed with in the past. And like yeah. we're just randomly communicating sometimes. It's kind of like we we've been jujitsu is a beautiful thing for uh for friendships for sure you bleed and sweat and uh and and you know have a common goal together yeah i i like it too like with the people you compete against like you were just saying you know like i've, I've got guys that i competed against once at a tournament you know you get to know them on instagram and they say you you got a place to go train you know and it's like it's just it's it's cool like you you know even when you lose to somebody you're grateful for you know stuff that's just totally not the sports experience that i was raised with so I, i'm just really appreciative of that oh 100 like the me and me and this uh, guy will will edmonton that uh we had kind of like a friendly rivalry for a while like when i was kind of coming up he's a black belt now t really good you know he has a ton of tons supervised check him out but uh we would like every time I'd go to Atlanta, like before the, there were like the IBJJF opens, you know, like this was back in the day a little bit. But uh, there was a tournament in Atlanta called Ludador. Every time I'd go over to Atlanta to do either Naga or Ludador, we'd got to we'd go out and eat the night before. And we knew we'd be in the same division the next day. But like it was no hard feelings. We liked each other. But it's like, hey, dude, like, let's get some food together. Say what's up. And like, then let's see who gets gold tomorrow. You know, like <laughs> it's just what other sport do you do that? Yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll leave the names out of it, but I watched a couple of blue belts and purple belts who went against each other from uh, my gym there in Birmingham who stepped outside uh, and, and were smoking a, a blunt right outside the door right after they went together. And I was like, you know, I was just like, this is the kind of place this is, you know, you, you try to murder each other and then you you bond, you know? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And you, and you uh, being appreciative of that, you would have loved the PGF, man. It was like, and I miss it already. It's like every Friday afternoon, you know, it started at six, we get there at five, you know, we're, it was like 13 weeks long and you know, you're there from like five and then like some of the matches are ending after nine. 
yeah. then like you're hanging around a little bit. A lot of people went out to eat. So like you're hanging out every Friday night for like six hours with these guys. And like because of the COVID guidelines, we're in the back rooms. We're all chilling, hanging out, you know, choking each other on fucking live stream <laughs> yeah. and then coming back in the same room and chilling and talking about it. And then a lot of weeks, like one week, you know, uh, Kerry Fowler, he was uh, cornering me for a lot of those. I'm sure you got to roll with Kerry when uh, yeah, you were Spartan. Kerry's a good buddy. Yeah. He's, good, he's good people for sure. Yeah. And I brought him to corner me every week. He's kind of my good luck charm now, man. I like his energy. And he's <laughs> yeah. just very chill, and he's very, very nice. And he's not like he says what needs to be said, and I just like his energy. It makes me feel calm, you know, when I go out. I don't need, like, super aggressive cornering and – like hyping me up before I'm like dude I'm plenty hype let's just chill and relax and like when we go out there like let me do my thing and then tell me what I need to be told and he's just got a good energy about that but yeah, he so smart as jujitsu his Baron Bolo game if uh, it's gotten crazy recently nuts nuts but he went and got me beer I was like hey I got one match left and then Matt Elkins was going later in the night and I was like hey get me some beer so when I'm done with this match there's a bye week next week I hadn't had beer in weeks because I'm staying prepared for this so like we got beer and we're all like everybody who's got done for the night was all like we're all sitting in the back having beers afterwards at some points in this thing like it was it was it was so cool and everybody was friends with everybody you know people are gonna come people already have came back to Decatur and I got to train with since that tournament. People are coming from like we're gonna go visit uh, Elijah Carlton in Chattanooga. If y'all didn't watch PGF, check that dude out. He's one of the best fucking brown belts, if not the best brown belt I've ever rolled in my entire life. He uh, pretty much handled everybody in the whole whole division. He's he's the real deal. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal. No, and he's such a good guy. He plays that you know he like he, he he's good on the camera, but. Uh, Super yeah, funny. He's always, he's all, every time I see a, a Gordon Ryan post, the first the first thing I see is Elijah Carlton posting something on there. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's already trying to put his name out there to, to grapple Gordon Ryan. So, <laughs> he's, he's so good though, for real. Oh, he's good. He I know he's hunting that match for with Daniel O'Brien right now. Who oh, I've yeah. who I've also lost to twice in competition, Daniel. Is he uh, he he's super good, huh? Oh god! I mean, I was a purple belt when I grappled black belt um, Daniel O'Brien, but Tex Johnson was in that division as well. I didn't get to roll Tex, but I was a purple and I was like 150 something pounds, and uh, it, there was a cash prize, and I like threw myself in. I got like third, but um, uh, wait, so where where was that's a that's a nice lineup of people. Like, oh, but it was before like a lot of them blew up as much as they were because yeah. I've been a, I've been a brown belt for over six and a half years. So this was you know I was a purple. So this was probably like seven or eight years ago. But um, yeah, it was in uh, Gadsden. It wow. was a it was the night of a strike card fight and it was like a duel like a tournament in the first half of the day and an MMA fight in the second half of the day. I think. I don't know. It might have been the night Eric Anders like had a grappling tournament and a fight in one night and won them both. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Daniel uh, beat Tex Johnson uh, in that match. Yeah. It was it was it was wild. But yeah, that was in Nogi. It was Nogi. It was a uh, it was a Nogi tournament. I just always see Daniel O'Brien's gi stuff where he's like training in socks and stuff. What do you think about training in your socks? 
I used to when it was cold outside and I was at gyms without any heat on it, but yeah. heat on just for the fear of losing my toes. I don't know if anybody's ever yeah. got their t- toes hit when they're cold or their fingers. Yeah. It doesn't feel too good, but I don't personally like rolling in my socks. I get what he's saying. You can't base off the ground as hard, so it's making you use less, less athletic bridges, but I don't have any issue at all being less athletic genetically naturally so oh dude the last the last thing i need is more genetic limitations if if two bum knees a bum shoulder a bum back and uh shitty genetics is not enough he just uh like he stops you from being more athletic and like lots of posts with your that's what I have the understanding and I haven't talked to him personally on it. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for, for him, but from what I've heard and people that comment, cause you knew about his socks already. So like I've heard of people talking about him too. And I think the philosophy is, and once again, I haven't spoken to him, so I don't want to speak for him, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like you can't be as athletic with your bridges and posts. So it's making you flow a little more. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a reasonable way of thinking for sure. I just uh, I, like you, I, I can't do it unless it's super cold. Yeah, it's got to be super cold, and I would take them. I would used to do them like two of my gyms didn't have heating or uh you know air conditioning, so it's super super hot or super super cold. And during the winter, we had these like propane space heaters, and uh, it was probably horrible to inhale, but. You know, once that warmed the room up, like I would take the socks off, or once I started rolling one round, I'd take the socks off. But I would just keep them on. Just uh, if you do like an 8 a.m. session in the morning in the midwinter, it's rough in a warehouse with a hanger. Like you feel like you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, do you like what my my farm boy? Hey, I'm trying to build a farm here in North Carolina. I've got some animals going i'm trekking around in the mud and what i heard you say in the beginning was basically that you sell tractors is what i heard yeah uh, i but, finance them i'm not a salesman anymore but uh okay. like I, but i finance the Komatsu tractors oh okay cool do you do you love doing that or do you just spend all day thinking about jujitsu <laughs> Well, you know, to anybody in the tractor business, of course, it's my favorite thing. Too. I'm just playing. But, uh, uh, you know, I was in banking for a lot before that, uh, you know, for about four years prior to that. And uh, I really like, you know, financing uh, asset based lending on the on the tractor and way more. I get to talk to good old country boys that are selling Komatsu tractors all day and finance them. As far as a desk job goes, I think this is like really good, you know, like. I'm in my office all day. You do the, uh, you know, salesman call, help them finance the deal, you know, process process the paperwork and everything like that. But I mean, for sure, the dream would be one day to, you know, do do jujitsu in some sort of uh, form or fashion as a living. I would love to, you know, show what jujitsu did for me to other people, uh, yeah. you know, and be able to share that with them and. Um, any sort of living like Brandon McCaffrey, like Brandon's got it made. Like he's, he's getting to live that, um, you know, that jujitsu lifestyle completely now. Like Chris Conley, he's getting to live that MMA and jujitsu lifestyle. Of course. I mean, jujitsu is my passion in life. If you talk to me right now, you see, you even hear how giddy I'm getting about talking about it right now, probably to an an annoying extent. Like I I, I love it. I I mean, I freaking, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. what's What's your path to that then? Like, is it, I mean, you like you're saying you you're obviously really into it you know and you know what's 
what what do you see your path being to do to doing that like you know you say oh that's the dream so like are you going to just dream about it or you got some thoughts as to you know, obviously Brandon's asking you to teach some so I mean you know you're well, just, that was one, that was one time and like I yeah. was really I was really appreciative that he had invited me down to to do that one time and uh you know I had, I had a good time teaching but I had a really, really good time teaching over there, but that doesn't make me special. I think that he's just like, well, he's good at arm bars. He was doing like the elbow genie, bring him in for, I could have been a novelty play. Who knows? <laughs> this is this fake. Maybe this is real humble, but it this is fake humble because we, we have video of how good you are. Like this isn't, this isn't 1989 where you, you know, somebody saw you do some good martial arts somewhere you know we've we've got all the all the record of it dude like you're you're pretty special at some of the things that you do well i really appreciate it man Girl like bad. i like i said i don't think like that in my own head because i still feel like the little bitch who got beat up all the time always yeah. constantly and i'm trying to i'm trying to combat that in my head a little bit but it's kind of like a like a body dysmorphia but a jujitsu dysmorphia in my head i honestly still you know, that's something I struggle with. I still think I like get smashed all the time in my own head, but, but the, yeah, man, you you don't let like, it seems like that's sort of like uh, you're saying, you know, you could view that as a white belt mentality, you know, where you're constantly needing to improve, but that sounds more like you're, you're speaking of it from a more unhealthy way of viewing yourself. Well, because like some people are like, um, you know, I'm not meaning to talk down on myself at all. It's just like I just feel like there's a lot of room for improvement in a lot of areas in my jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, I'm just my biggest critic. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I made some mistakes and I didn't I didn't win that tournament. And um, I just think that, you know, there's just room to grow. You know, there's yeah. a lot there's a, there's a lot of room to grow. I'm definitely better than I once was, but I think that I could get a lot better than I am right now. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you have, dude. I mean, any good athlete it has that mindset. You know, I was it. It just sounded there for a second like you, you were uh, more like that. You're actually too critical of yourself, and you know it or something. But I, I think that I can be too critical, like like the body dysmorphia or the jujitsu dysmorphia. It's like you know how like. Like somebody really fit might see themselves as like really fat or or something along that way. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little too critical of of myself, but at the, but at the same time I feel like I benefit a lot from it. So I'm kind of like have a a weird love hate relationship with the way I, I view my jujitsu game because at the same time it keeps me striving to do stuff. All it, I'm definitely not complacent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, but I, I could I could see like some people are like why do you think it's it's bad like that? Well, I'm like it wasn't perfect, you know like it's it but it can never be perfect and that's what I love about it though. But I was kind of halfway just joking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just funny because you know Brandon McCaffrey's not not letting any old person teach any class at his freaking gym. Like he's he's you know what whether it's just in this region or nationwide like he's well known and well connected like in you know there's not been i'll just put it this way i've been all over the east coast in the last three years and there's not been a single time i've brought him up to anyone north south anywhere in between who hasn't known who he is so if he's saying hey come teach an armbar class like 
you know, it's not just, uh, you know, oh, we need an emergency teacher and he seems like he can babysit. Bring him up, you know. Uh, it was nuts, though. I didn't think there'd be like 60 people there just sticking around. I was like, oh, That's sh-. I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. OK, this yeah. is real. This <laughs> is this is real. And it's just I don't know. It was it was it was a good time. Like, I haven't taught in a long time. I used to teach at some other gyms I was at and fill in when people were gone. But for the last few years, you know, me training SPG all the time, like, they have a staff. Like, you know, I haven't, like, physically taught. I used to teach privates in college for some extra money. But, like, I haven't taught in a long time. So it was kind of cool to get to do it again a little bit. And, I mean. Yeah, so so then I guess I don't know if you answered this. Maybe I'm just, like. I haven't answered your question yet. Yeah, too many. Maybe maybe I smoked way too many blunts in the past, but <laughs> I swear you didn't answer. Like, do you have a, a thought of a way to, to teach more, to get into this more? Oh, yeah. It's my ADD, man. I get all lost on tangents. <laughs> it's, it's not you. It's me. Uh, <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm way too ADD to stay on the same topic. I'm a horrible conversationalist. But, uh I'm glad I had you on. Then. <laughs> yeah, man. I hope you guys are list- having fun listening to a horrible conversationalist. But uh, yeah, my like, man, you said you're just gonna dream about it, or are you gonna go after it? But the thing about having, you know, I have a good job right now. You know, I have health insurance, and I have had injuries in the past. You know, I have an I have an income. Uh, my dream would be, you know, to make a safe transition into doing jujitsu for a living if that's ever possible but the thing is i don't think there's ever ever a safe transition to doing anything like that but do i ever take the leap or not you know i guess we'll stick around and found, find out guys because that's still something that you know I, I think about in my head head a lot but uh i honestly like i wouldn't mind uh working by day and doing jujitsu by night just be a uh uh, after work warrior, you know, like I was able to put up a performance at the PGF against guys that do it full time. Yeah. Um, it is exhausting a little bit because, you know, I am working eight to five and then I'm training, you know, I'm lifting cardio and training pretty much from the second I get home till like at 10 30 or 11. Oh, really? You do it all. Like you don't do a morning, like before work, anything, nothing like that. You just, the weird thing about what I got going on and for my body individually, like if I wake up early to lift, that takes – then I'm more sleepy for jujitsu, yeah. which takes my like focus and drive away from the jujitsu class, which was the, which is the main focus. Right. So what I found out for me is like I like to lift before jujitsu and I like to do jujitsu and then I like to do the cardio after jujitsu. And on the weekends it, it, that does change up. I like to do early morning cardio and then uh lift or jujitsu or jujitsu then lift. So I'm only lifting like, you know, three days a week, but during the PGF I was only lifting like once a week because like you can't be sore and compete on Friday. So like I'm training, you know, compete Friday then we're practicing Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I would sit completely th- uh, Thursday and compete Friday. I didn't have to cut any weight. I was 24 pounds under the weight limit. So <laughs> that's two weight classes. Like There's I was big dudes there. Yeah, I was 24 pounds under. I'm good there. So it was only lifting once a week because even if you're not sore, if you lift on like Monday or Tuesday, your snappiness in your muscles just isn't quite back. So. Yeah, I kind of squeeze it all in at the end of the day just for the fact where if you're training at 6.30 or 7 p.m., 
Like if you woke up, because I got to be at my desk at eight. You know, if you wake up before that, you've been awake for over twelve hours. Yeah. Before you even step on the mat to do yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've recently I found a, a, a new gym up here to where oh, for a while there I was just training with my buddy in the yard, um, and I, I've noticed like I I get up super early to to do stuff outside and I'll get a workout in and then. Man, by the time jujitsu, which is what I the thing I love to do the most, comes around, I'm like, man, do I even want to go? Like, you know, like it. I'm so tired, and then when I get there, I'm like, I feel like sometimes I'm wasting time. I'm just going through the motions, and I I, I hate that. So maybe I need to maybe if from all of this terrible conversationalist stuff <laughs> put me through. I'll take from you that I need to cram it all in because. Well, maybe not. Like I said, I'm weird. And the thing is about that is like, you know, I'm, a lot of days after work, I'm still tired when I go in. But as soon as my blood gets pumping and I like, you know, the heart rate gets up. Yeah. I'm, I really am excited to be there. So it, it does work through. But, you know, I had to compete. You know, I was working, you know, at least, you know, because I had to leave a smidge early a few days because, you know, Decatur's an hour and a half away from Birmingham and. Uh, the match started at six, depending on when my match started. Like I was having to wake up and work the same day I was competing in the PGF. Uh-huh. Um, and that was, a, you know, uh, that was a thing as well. But um, just getting up at like 530 if you're training at seven, you know, you can still definitely do it. But your main focus just became the lift and not the jujitsu unless you just have an incredible mental capacity that I don't have. Right. Um, but you you have a wife and children, you know, and you got a farm to take care of. You got you got obstacles that that I don't have. So just for my personal life, like you know, if I, if training's at seven, I could get off work. You know, I could squeeze a lift in and have my gym in the clothes in the bag, and then like you know, get a 45 50 minute lift in and then go straight from the lift gym to jujitsu. Um, and then I'm already warmed up. Right. And you know, like it's kind of like it just kind of works out for me. Um, a little bit and then if I wake up in the early early in the morning it does get your day started right for sure like I love running or lifting in the morning uh, but around like 11:30, when that blood stops pumping you're like oh man I'm kind of tired from that yeah. run of the lift now and then you get to eat and then you're going around and it's like I feel like that extra two hours of just not necessarily doing anything just being awake you know it's kind of like I'm getting sleepy yeah, for sure. That's all it is for me. It's like I just would rather just cram it all in. But if I was a professional, you know, I'd probably do it a little bit differently because you could incorporate naps in there or just wake up a little bit later, or, you know, during the downtime. What? Well, what? Well, so, okay. Then, how, how far away do you think you are, Mister Self Critical of the Ask, from being professional level? Like, obviously, you just spent. 13 weeks or whatever competing with people who do it professionally so like to me that that says you're there but like for you like obviously you don't want to give up your job for you know unsteady income whatever but like to be at that level you think you're at that level now or do you think like what do you need to do to be there you know i'm just going to keep grinding and keep working you know there's a lot of benefits of, you know, some of these guys are, like you said, quote unquote professional, but they're not bringing in the biggest incomes right now. So there is a benefit to, you know, being an after work um, warrior. And, you know, a few of those things is you could afford the nutrition you need. 
Yeah. You know, you, you could afford the um the, the gear. You know, you could afford everything. And I'm st- I'm still getting to train every single day. Right. And that's a lot more than a lot of people. You know, like um I'm in a position right now where I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. So um I'm still able to train every single day. And you could still do very well at that level if you didn't have the income and you're struggling. Like, is training twice a day with less nutrition better? No, probably not. I mean, especially as you get older. Like, so the the, the transition for me would be: is it worth it? You know, as a whole, because I'm still getting to train every day and every, and everything. It's just a it's a hard trade off, you know. Like some of those the the pros, you know, that that were in there you know, aren't making the kind of money that some successful, well-known gym, gym owners, you know, possibly can make, you know, are making, um, it's a, it's a tough thing, man. But then Gordon Ryan, you know, he's making $250,000 a month on his instruct, on his instructionals alone. So, but I'm no Gordon, I'm no Gordon Ryan. Well, you may not be Gordon Ryan, but I would just say that, uh, you're, you're definitely, um, you you definitely should look into t- teaching a little bit more at least or taking if if those opportunities come jump all over it because like you, know, you at least you compete but like Leaf like obviously you've got like some some hidden you know gems that there's a lot of people who could benefit from and you know uh, you also love clearly love it so you know like I'm sure there's a lot of super skilled people out there who are just a, a sort of a pain in the ass to be around and. You know, you you clearly ooze a passion for jujitsu, so you should definitely. I don't know. I'm not, what the hell do I know? Don't no, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I'm gonna try to compete as much as I can. And I told Brandon, I've been telling a lot of guys, if y'all know of any competitions, definitely hit me up. I am so happy to be healthy again. Yeah. And and being able to compete, like a lot of those guys in the PGF, they never even heard of me. Like who is yeah. who is who is this random brown belt? I've been hurt for a long time. Like yeah. I've been training, but I just wasn't quite to like healthy enough to compete again and uh i'm gonna do the foley gonna do the the nogi pants um there's like some submission only opportunities coming up so i'm very excited and i you know what i'm telling myself is i owe it to myself after all the years to put in win or lose you know i'm gonna put the fucking shit on the line and uh you know compete while i'm still young i'm gonna i don't want to be 40 or 50 or 60 or on my deathbed 70 80 looking back i'm like well i wasted my prime and didn't even compete yeah yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to at least give it a try. So yeah. here we go. Second tournament back, the PGF, after all those injuries, after going down that dark hole, climbing my uh, skinny fat ass out of the hole. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm OK with winning 18, losing three and drawing one. And then Dude, we'll, yeah. we'll see where the rest of the year goes, guys. And I really, really appreciate all any of the sport and all the sport and I'm, I'm looking forward i'm really hoping i win this foley open next weekend it is a gi event big sharp turn from not wearing the guillotine to throwing it back on and throwing the points back in the mix i get my rematch with uh uh yeah what can i think of his name he just got third in the pan ams last weekend uh clay mayfield clay mayfield so i will get uh get to go against him if i if the bracket lines up correctly Eight. You comfortable? You feel pretty confident, comfortable in the gi back already? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm my skill level's pretty even in both. I don't. I'm glad I don't have to pick a favorite because I love the gi and I love no gi. Don't really have a favorite. Um, feels good. I honestly feels 
A little better. My fingers are healthy again. Yeah. Your fingers take a beating training the gear every day. Yeah, that's for sure. I just about cut my finger off today with some roofing tin, so I wasn't looking forward to the next time I'm gripping anything, but hey-ho, that's how it goes. But anyway, well, hey, uh, I'm going to let you go, but I really appreciate you coming on here, and uh, I'm I'm pumped to to see where it goes for you, and uh, I hope I get to, to come down to Alabama and catch some rolls with you soon. Yeah, man. I had a I had a great time talking to you. It's it's fun catching up. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. Yeah, but uh, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Hopefully after you uh, you you win something something cool. Hope hopefully hopefully. All right, man. I well, appreciate you. Take care. Yes, sir. Roll yeah. tide. Let's beat Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> See you. Buddy. See you.